Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode 509 for the 21st. It is the 21st first, of June, 2017. First, yeah. first day of summer. Yes. Summer. <laughs> Welcome summer, to summer. summer. Welcome to the show. Tonight, we are <laughs> celebrating that and the stable release of Debian Stretch. It's the latest version of Debian. We're going to learn all about what it means, and we're going to get a good look at it for you as well. If you're new to Linux, if you've never tried it, or you're on the fence about giving it a go, tonight is for you. And hey, get everybody around. If you are a Linux user, get your friends here, and uh, and we're going to show them what Linux is all about. So stick around. Sasha Dermatis. All right, here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. Carrier-locked phones are being outlawed in Canada, and providers must unlock phones for free. Amazon is buying Whole Foods markets. Tim Cook has confirmed that Apple is working on a self-driving car system. End-to-end encryption for online services may become law. And we finally have a release date for Star Trek Discovery. Stick around, the full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in live every week on Roku, Kodi, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. Welcome to the show. It's episode 509. Can you believe it? And it's the first day of summer. Yes. Happy <laughs> summer solstice, everybody. Yippee, the longest day. And to celebrate, it's a four-hour show. Wow. Yeah. Um, maybe be we'll be here for another hour. We've got lots of fun coming up. This is Sasha, by the way. Hi. Hi, Sasha. Henry Bailey Brown joining us again in studio here tonight as we bring you Debian 9. Debian Stretch Whoa. is the code name because we're so mysterious in the Linux Stretch. community. Stretch. Super cool. I think the names come from Toy Story. Really? So who would Stretch be? Stretch. Oh, the Slinky. There Slinky you go. dude. There you go. He's dog, so very reliable, you know, loyal. Good job, Stretch. That's what we're going to learn tonight. A loyal, reliable distribution <laughs> of Linux. Hey, welcome to our chat room. It's so nice to see you there. Uh, Henry, if you, if you see Henry on his phone, like he's just like a, a millennial. millennial. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, okay. We had our, uh, one of the drives in the netbook. Uh, I don't know what happened, but before, it just blew up. 15 minutes before the show is yeah. when it decided to happen. It was not so a Kingston offline. SSD, so. No. I it, wonder if my computer just attacked it while we left it on for the whole week accidentally. Yeah. Um, the, the netbook actually actually has in it, because it's a netbook that was yeah. gifted to the studio, and I stuck an SSD in it. Guess what the SSD is? My first ever is it really? SSD. Oh, but now that's I can't, history. I can't use it in anything, because it's like, it's I, not got any capacity to it. Right. So just, just maybe donate, it's given up the ghost. Donate it to a museum. Robbie's first <laughs> SSD. <laughs> My first SSD. It's this big. <laughs> <laughs> but it's only this big as far as capacity goes. So anyway, so that's why he's on his phone instead of the netbook tonight. Uh, there you have it. Um, chat room, it's great to see you and uh, nice to have so many comments. 
questions coming in by email. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, comment below. We appreciate that as well. And always a pleasure to have you along. Uh, we're going to get right into it, Sasha. Awesome. Are you ready for it? Sasha's kind of here as the... The question asker. The, the, the questionnaire. The newbie. New user, we'll the say. The new user, well, you're you basically know. basically a Windows user, essentially. Yeah, work, right? I'm, yeah. I, I'm Windows sort of born and bred, but my, like my laptop is Linux. That being said, I, um, Robbie installed it and I use it. I did. I forced uh, it upon her. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> If you're going to volunteer here on the show, got to install Linux. I'm super happy to have it. I just, I am like Linux new. Like, I'm just, that's who I am. So, I want to start just by asking you like the very first most important question. Okay. What is Debian? What is Debian? Yes. Okay. So we're going to back it up just a little bit for those of you who are not familiar with Linux. Linux is, at its core, uh, it's another operating system. We're going to really kind of simplify it's a penguin. this. We're going to really simplify this. And for those viewers who are there saying, well, it's a kernel and, and let's get into all the distributions and the flavors and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, as an experienced Linux user, those of you who are watching who are experienced with Linux, it can be very convoluted, very confusing for new Mm -hmm. New users, people oh, yeah. who want to give it a try, who are currently using Windows, Mac, whatever else you're on. Uh, so, if that's you, if you're if you've never really experimented with Linux, I really kind of want to keep this for you tonight because this should be something that we Linux users can share with those individuals to help them to see what Linux is all about and mm -hmm. how cool it really is, how great it really is. So, Debian, right, has been around forever. From the dawn of time, Debian was there. So, like, as soon as Linux was there, Debian was there? <laughs> well, was it like hand in hand? It, it's, it, it, which came first? Okay. <laughs> which came okay. first? Debian is basically a long standing, well respected version mm -hmm. of a Linux distribution. There are all kinds of Linux distributions. You hear things like Linux Mint, Ubuntu, uh, Debian, and OpenSUSE, and all these different names. Yeah. And. It really is just, at its core, <clears throat> an alternative operating system to things like mm -hmm. Windows and Mac. So Debian has been around forever and has always done really, really well mm -hmm. with stability. It, that's been oh, okay. their push. And we're going to learn a little bit about why that is tonight, how they do it. Uh, the stability is really where it's at. Security mm -hmm. is where it's at with Debian. That has been a little bit of its downfall in the modern desktop Linux era because companies like Canonical come along and introduce mm -hmm. Ubuntu. And Ubuntu is a desktop Linux operating system at its heart, mm -hmm. and a lot of people use it. But its focus is not so much on the stability and the security, but instead is on the bleeding-edge technologies. Right. So on the desktop this stigma has been associated with Debian to say, oh, that's, you know, that's the server operating system. That's the OS. Oh, that okay. So that's why you would pick that one over the other is like for Possibly. security. Back 10 years ago. Okay. Okay. Mm. So now here we are in the desktop Linux era. Yeah. And Debian has really had trouble kicking that stigma mm -hmm. because it's always been. When Ubuntu did not exist... Debian was there, and Debian was on the server. Debian runs the internet. Yeah. If you've ever been to a website, 
you have seen Debian, you have seen Linux, um, and because at its backbone, at its core, the internet is largely Linux-based, and Debian oh. is, you know, it's always been there. It's no, the, the it, one. It really comes to the question then, Rob, because, <clears throat> like, a lot of people are visual nowadays, like you said, Ubuntu, really, we have desktops now, right? On par with Windows and Mac. So, I'm sure you can answer this question, because you're the tech guy here in this wonderful building we have. Um, but why would a modern-day user then choose this guy over other distributions? Over, instead? say, like Ubuntu or something? Yeah, like in the modern right. day. Like, why, why would somebody choose this Well, that's a hard, a hard thing. And it's, uh, mm -hmm. that's the question that if you're new to Linux, if you've never used it, that's the first question that you've got to ask yourself. Which one do I want to use? Right. Okay. So we just have to kind of rephrase that and instead, instead say, which one do I want to try? W mm -hmm. What do I want to give a go at? Because with Linux, it's free. So you can try Debian now. Mm -hmm. You can give it an exper you know, experiment with it for a couple weeks, give it a go, and then try Ubuntu and see which one you prefer. Um, and that's so a good way to do it. I could do that because right now I'm yeah. not with Debian. I, don't, I have Zorin. Zorin OS. OS. So, so keeping in mind, Debian at its... is, is Basically, a lot of distributions are based on Debian. Okay. Ubuntu is based on Debian. Okay. Zorin OS is based on Debian. Okay. See, this is... Sorry, guys. This is how I have to learn. <laughs> no, this okay. is good. This Blown is good. away. Okay. So why, why would I choose any one? So I'm going to look at what kind of features am I looking for? And this is where mm -hmm. that stigma says, oh, Debian is more for the power users. It's not really the case anymore. We're going to see tonight how great it is and how much it's come along with Debian Stretch. Uh, with this release, it is absolutely a, an exceptional desktop product right out of the box. Nice. Um, so it, it really, you know, we've, we've seen that whole, you know, this is the admin, the sysadmin, the experienced Linux okay. users OS. Right. Now is, is just a thing of the past. Cool. It's really just a matter of, you know, which one do you want to try? Which one do you want to use? And we're going to learn a little bit about that as we get into this. So talking about things like the way that they include packages. I mentioned that Ubuntu is based on right. Debian. Right. Okay. So Debian is, is here. Mm -hmm. And Ubuntu is getting the packages that it okay. needs in order to exist, in order to be Ubuntu okay. from Debian. Okay. Now, of course, Canonical now also takes a lot of those packages, modifies them to add stability or certain feature sets and things like that. It's open source. It's community-based. Mm -hmm. So they can do that. They also add their own products. They create their own software and add those to make Ubuntu what it is. Okay. That's the awesome thing about it being open source. Like everything, and people can give into it, yeah, or change it or modify it. But it's it's just that, such an amazing thing. Can that make it stronger, but then also like weaker, depending Harder, on what? Faster, bigger, stronger. <laughs> like I that? do not. Whatever it is. I did just yes. buy a new uh, Just Dance 2017. I nice. think I learned that dance. Okay. <laughs> Video or it didn't happen. <laughs> um, okay, so like if people are in there adding, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Is there like a certain level of intelligence or like know-how they have to have before they can go ahead and do that? Or Absolutely. could somebody be just adding like me? Well, <laughs> a Joe Blow user or novice right. user could not okay. create a distribution. So it's safe. <laughs> well, yes. Okay. So, but, uh, but I think I understand what you're saying. You know, can it be customized and modified to be your own OS kind of thing? Right. 
Ubuntu is made by Canonical. It's based on Debian, and they have basically said, you know, okay, these are the th- this is the way we want the desktop to work. Mm-hmm. So we've created it based on our vision of what the Linux desktop could be. And so this is Canonical's vision. Hmm. Now, Debian is very much into freedom of choice, free software, let's give you all the options and just let you decide what you want to do. So it includes Mm -hmm. a lot of different desktop environments. It includes a lot of different features that you can selectively install uh, versus the the -the out-of-the-box experience with with Canonical's Ubuntu. Hmm. So along that vein, Ubuntu makes some decisions that they want to push toward this particular branding of distribution. So a good example would be the Unity desktop environment. So Linux is Linux. It's Mm -hmm. an operating system, but then Mm -hmm. a desktop environment goes on top of that. So that's basically the interface that you use in order to interact with your computer. That's the part that I know and see. That's the part that I'm most concerned about. Sure. And if it doesn't... For me. It's the part that if you click on a button and it doesn't do what you expect it Mm -hmm. to do, you go nuts and you say, oh, Linux sucks. Right. Because the desktop environment is not behaving the way that you want it to behave. Mm-hmm. Right. But right. It's, there's more to it than that, obviously. Absolutely. But Absolutely. So when Canonical created this Unity desktop, mm-hmm. it's to replace GNOME. Mm-hmm. GNOME is another desktop environment. So where Ubuntu would say, okay, let's push for our own version of the desktop environment. Let's create Unity. Let's, uh, let's do this. And they've done that. And they've been running this for several years now mm-hmm. as the default uh, de facto desktop environment, so the interface is Canonical's interface, where Debian, on the other hand, has said, no, we're not going to go that route. We're going to stick with what we know, what is tried and true, what's stable, what is uh, well-supported, mm-hmm. and that's GNOME. And so okay. Debian continued on in GNOME. So this is where things get really different, because if you've been using Ubuntu, you've gotten used to Unity, and you've, gotten, and, and you've gone along with Ubuntu's experimentation and their mm-hmm. development process. Mm-hmm. But now here we are in 2017, and Canonical has said, okay, we're finished with Unity, we're right. going to go back to GNOME. We're dropping oh. Unity, we're stopping support for it, we're, we're not going to continue developing it, and instead we're going to switch our operating system back to GNOME. So anyone who has been using Debian has already been using GNOME through that whole process, presumably. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can install other desktop environments easily, but uh, the default does tend to be GNOME. Yeah. So you can see how Canonical may you know, push for different technology, but then they may revert back because it's, a, it's more experimental for the desktop. So is Canonical just like the brains of the They're the situation? company. They are a, oh, okay. a, a company that yeah. creates this distribution and the way that they make their money essentially at its core is to provide support to businesses for that distribution. Okay. But they offer the distribution itself, the operating system for free. So you can download it and install it on your home computer and it's fantastic. That's uh, what I run on my laptop most of the time is Ubuntu Mate. Right. But looking at Debian 9... Okay. I, I, have, I, have, I have a quick chat info. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. Once it says to myself, thank you, um, Canonical is dropping Unity for 18.04, saying Unity is croaked. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that, so when they say 18.04, that's their mm-hmm. versioning system, which represents uh-huh. year, month. So that's mm-hmm. April 2018. So their version oh, okay. of Linux is mm-hmm. no longer going to have Unity in April. Darn. That's how that, that's how that works. Okay. So, so there are, you know, 
I, I want to keep this fairly simple. We don't want to get into the semantics and, yeah. the, and the really um, complicated right. stuff. But we do kind of need to talk we about need to, how a little yeah. bit. Right. A little bit. So, so Ubuntu pulls from what's called testing and unstable repositories. Mm-hmm. So Debian. what's okay, so what's an unstable? Okay. So this is where Debian differs. So Debian being the the base, Mm -hmm. so this is what a lot of other distributions are based on, Debian being the the, kind of the main one, we'll call it, the the higher level on the tree. Yeah. Uh, So um, the way that they work, I I mentioned earlier, they are focused on stability, um, security. Mm -hmm. So the stable release, which we're excited about today because Debian stretch has finally gone stable. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to understand that in a moment. is considered stable. It's the rock solid. This is mm-hmm. the distribution for you if you're a new Linux <coughs> user, if mm-hmm. you are um, running a server that you have on, on the internet. It, all the can functions I, that they want working are working, right? Can I like yeah. tell you what my impression of it is and then you can tell me whether yeah. or not that's right? <laughs> okay, so Canonical, which is like the company, okay. it like deems things as like the thing they support as being stable. And then there are other ones that maybe aren't as sort much. Sort of, but Canonical is unrelated to Debian in that okay. Canonical builds Ubuntu, and Ubuntu is a version of Linux based on Debian. Okay. So tonight, mm-hmm. our, our focus is really on Debian, but understanding Deb- that there are other distributions out there that yeah. are based on it. Okay, so Debian Stretch is stable. Yes. Who says that it's stable? Who's the boss that says it's stable? Well, Debian is a very community-driven product. So right. um, it is set up in such a way that teams of individuals work together mm-hmm. to create this distribution and to commit and donate a lot of time in order to mm-hmm. make it happen. So the way it works is, okay, we've looked at GIMP 2.9.5. Mm-hmm. Love it, okay? Mm-hmm. But it's still got a couple of little bugs here and there. So what happens is... The development team now puts that into the unstable version of Debian. Okay, so there are three versions: unstable, testing, stable. So first thing happens is it goes into unstable. People start testing it and playing around with it, working out the bugs and things like that. Right. Once they've worked out the bugs, now GIMP 2.9.5, for the example, moves into testing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sort of like beta testing for video games. Yeah, it's like the alpha it's versus beta versus. <clears throat> open but it's an, an entire operating system of <laughs> yeah. a suite of software bigger than a video game we've got to get away from you know yeah. the, the microsoft mentality of windows updates updating my operating system eh. and that's it linux works by updating everything right. so mm-hmm. if your graphic editor and your office suite and everything else is updated you get all the updates and it's Woo. free Okay, it's beautiful. So once it enters testing, now it's much more stable, but there may be a little bit of issues here and there, uh, but it's to be considered fairly stable, and it's working well. And then when that distribution, the testing distribution with all these new versions of software that have now gone through testing Mm -hmm. is considered stable, it moves to the stable branch or the stable distribution. That's what just happened with Stretch. Should anybody even bother installing an unstable or a testing? Or should you just stick to stable? Like, wait until it's stable. Okay, so stable is going to have the oldest version of software at the end of life. Consider that the predecessor to Debian Stretch as stable uh, was Jesse. 
and Jesse has been the stable distribution on Debian since 2015. Hmm. So for a little more than two years, it has been stable. Wow. So all of these new versions of software, like even in Debian Stretch, GIMP is still version 2.8. Right. Because that is considered stable. 2.9 or 3 has not come out yet. So there, there are some benefits in doing an unstable system or distro. Distro? Distribution, yeah. Dis- yes. Distribution, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, that, and that is because it'll have more cutting edge. You got it. Yeah. Right. So if Interactions. You want, so here, if you're a new Linux user or even an experienced one who wants stability, security, rock solid performance, start with stable. Mm-hmm. If you find at that point that there are packages that you really want to have newer versions of and you want to, uh, you don't mind taking a little bit of a risk because sometimes it can have problems because it might be bugged. <laughs> it's testing. Yeah. You can easily upgrade from stable to testing. So it's a really easy, seamless upgrade process. All of your packages are just going to upgrade to the latest version in testing, and mm-hmm. you're, you're going good. So that's once you've got a little bit more experience. Now, right. if you are a power user, you yeah. know your way around Linux, you're not afraid to have things absolutely break, <laughs> right. you're not afraid to go in and fix them and figure okay. it out, then that's when unstable is for you because you're going to get the absolute latest absolutely bleeding edge software Mm -hmm. because as soon as something comes out it goes into unstable right as the newest version yeah so So you get like the super cool stuff you always have the super cool stuff but you get the super latest version okay or anything that's brand new that hasn't made its way down through the the chain Um, of testing yet yeah so there are benefits to like definitely both so with debian it's very specific that you can choose whether you want bleeding edge or stability mm-hmm. or a, a happy medium with testing in between. Okay. So Ubuntu from Canonical takes from Debian's testing and mm-hmm. unstable, not from stable because it considers that Ubuntu is oh, more okay. bleeding edge than uh, than stable, mm-hmm. Debian stable. So right now, having just switched to stable on Saturday. Debian Stretch is latest and greatest stable packages Woo. because it just it's only been a few days. <laughs> right. right. So, yes. Okay. Um, exciting. So, what are Well, no, my my next question is cuz I feel like I took yeah, you okay. away from it, but now I want to get back to it. What are okay. the Thanks features? Thanks for keeping me in line here. <laughs> what are, sorry. What are, the- what are the new <laughs> features? What is Oh, yeah. yeah so. like, oh yeah. What, okay. right? I'm like, using what, it. Okay. Can you tell me about it? Yeah. Okay. About so Debian, Debian 9. First of all, you're a Mac guy. Sorry, dude. PowerPC is done. So if you've got an old Mac, one of the nice things about Linux is it can always be installed on older hardware. Well, Debian yeah. has done away with PowerPC oh, support. So there are depressing. various architectures. If you're a PC user, certainly if you use Windows, you know about 64-bit and 32-bit. Those mm-hmm. are your two main options. Um, yeah. So there is absolutely support for those. Uh, right out the gate, you can download an AMD64 or i386, which are 64-bit and 32-bit PC versions of the distro, uh, respectively. Uh, there, there is a new 
64-bit MIPS um, architecture that has been added. All right. Um, and then, really, this is largely all about that chain of getting the latest versions of software and getting things okay. upgraded, refreshed. So we're looking at a, a new kernel. I think we're at 4.9 point something. Wow. Um, kernel is just what they call... That's the Linux's heart. Yeah. Okay. Like the skeleton. Or... Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, the, the upgrade process. So what have we got? Um, a huge uh, amount of upgrades as far as the software that's included. Uh, GNOME is now 3.22. I didn't want to get into technical stuff, but KDE is up to date, LXDE. Uh, these are all desktop environments. Mate is 1.16, and mm -hmm. XFCE is 4.12. But the thing is, is that there have been over 15,000 new packages that have made their way down the chain into Debian Stretch that were not wow. in Debian Jesse. And... Wow from the packages that were in Jesse, more mm -hmm. than half of them have been upgraded. Mm -hmm. So you've got new versions of these pieces of software right. that have been now upgraded. So like, can you give us like an example of a package? So like for like somebody new to Linux, sure. so if you're trying to sell it, no, not sell it because it's free. It's free! Woo! Take um, it! If, if you're Go trying to Debian.org. If we're trying to convert Sasha to it, yes. how would you tell her... I would hey. just install it on her laptop. Yeah, that's just true. Do it. Yeah. Because okay, it, my my mind still works like I I I've been fully franchised. So I buy a computer from mm -hmm. the right. computer store, mm -hmm. and I bring it home, and it already has. That would be Windows typically on it. Yeah. You don't buy it without Windows on it. So you just take Windows off of it, and then how yeah, do you, you download it? You download Debian from mm -hmm. Debian.org. Before you take Windows off, because how else would you... Yeah, you don't have to. You can download it right on Windows. Okay. Yep. And then you can insert a USB flash drive. Yeah. You can use uh, a tool that uh, the instructions are all on their website. Okay. Debian's website. Um, you can use a tool that will actually now do what's called a burn to the to the flash drive. Right. Uh, or a flash. What size flash drive would I need? Four gigs. For oh, well, okay. eight gigs. I, I think it's 4.4 4 gigs. 16, 16 So not, gig a, is not huge, oh, yeah. right? Like, you're fine. Flash. Yeah. Burst, and then, quote-unquote, burn it to the... I used my 16 gig. Right, okay, so... Two terabyte. I, yes. I downloaded <laughs> it. I needed. I download it to the flash drive. No, you download it to your computer, to the and then you burn it okay. to the flash drive. So okay. it becomes a bootable operating system. So it's like you it don't boots need it off there, and it replaces Microsoft. And you used to use a CD. Right. But now you don't need a CD. The optical medium is, is dead, basically. What's a CD? So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. so, um, so then you boot up the computer from the flash drive, and it'll say, do you want to install over top of Windows, or do you want to install in addition to Windows? And, and if you do in addition, it's called a dual boot. Correct. Yes. You got it. She's learning. Eight points for Sasha. Okay. Um, so keep in mind, <laughs> if you buy a new computer, it may have UEFI. That you may end up having a little more trouble getting Debian installed because mm -hmm. Debian is very, very focused on free stuff. Um, and that kind of comes down to firmwares. And okay. some of these UEFI systems can have proprietary firmwares and, and issues like that, where Canonical's Ubuntu makes it very, very easy to install mm -hmm. on any platform. Debian is still very, very easy. I want you to try it. But just a heads up, don't get discouraged if you have trouble. Hit the community. Hit mm -hmm. our website, category5.tv. Ask some questions, and we'd be happy to help you. Our community would be happy to help you. Uh, what else is different? Um, things that have been updated, you were asking. LibreOffice. Um, awesome. So a free word processor. And not just a word processor, but a full uh, Office suite. Full suite. You so remember when we used to have to buy Microsoft Office? <sighs> 
Yes. I know, right? Uh, the only thing missing from LibreOffice is an Outlook equivalent. Everything else, like PowerPoint, yeah. and Word, all mm-hmm. that stuff, Excel, they're all there mm-hmm. and fully compatible. You can open files that were created on Microsoft Office mm-hmm. in LibreOffice and I, save them back and forth. I have a LibreOffice random question. Okay. Is there like a help manual I would like in Libre Writer, it's called, right? Libre Office Writer, yeah. Right? I yeah. want to just select the whole document and shrink it to one page. But I can't do I know I can do that in Word, oh, yeah. but I want to be able to I do it in Writer. Do, I know that I you don't know how to do that specific thing. Somebody does. I know, yeah. I, like, but I just, I would like there like to be... the font to fit it on the page. Right, but I, yeah, sure I, instead of asking individual things like that, I'd love to know if there's a way to download some sort of how-to... I'm sure, right? yeah, on their okay, website, there would libreoffice.org. Be. You'll find documentation there. Down. There's probably a wiki and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But do keep in mind, LibreOffice, what's neat about it, as well as being compatible with Microsoft Office, mm-hmm. is it's very um, similar in its feature set and its commands. Oh, so okay. where its version of Excel, which is called Calc, right. um, has equations and things like that, it's the same equation formulas as Microsoft Office's Excel. Right. Right. So yeah. it, things are pretty one for one at this point, and it mm-hmm. makes it really, really easy. It's so it's been updated. <coughs> I use it, and I find it easy, with the exception of like random just tiny things, things like that. that I, I'm just like. I'm oh. sure we can find you help for it. Absolutely. <laughs> it's better than paying like two hundred dollars. Hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I mentioned uh, Outlook being the one thing that's missing, but mm-hmm. there's a program called Evolution that comes with Debian as well. Beauty. It's also been upgraded, and it's very similar to Outlook. And it's like all it's, free still. It's all free. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So if you think this sounds like a sales pitch, well, <laughs> we're giving it away. We, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> go download it for free. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of a, I think, a, you know, if you have any questions for us, get in the chat room. Right. Sasha's watching. Henry's watching on his phone as well. Uh, anything at all that you, you want to ask about Debian. Should we? Is, can we look at it? Yeah. Is there something? Yeah. Let's actually get into uh, to Debian Ooh. and get a look. So this is Debian 9, which I've installed on my laptop. Now, you may be in a similar situation to me where you've got a production system, a uh, computer that you use all the time, and you don't want to wipe out your system. You want to try yeah. it out, though. Um, so what I did is I simply stuck in a different uh, hard drive. So oh, really? I, I removed... Good. Yeah, I, I don't know where I, I said it. I have a question from Garby, quick. Why is right. Debian better than RPM? <laughs> well, th- see, there's a lot of... See, now we're going to get into personal preference, experience, and we, we kind of want to avoid those kind of questions, Garby, a little bit tonight, oh. just on account of what we're looking for. RPM, Debian, two different uh, oh. software distribution <laughs> He says that was a methods. joke. There you go. Sorry. So, and, and we can get... You'll, you're going to find this, folks, if you're new to Linux. It's going to be... If you get into, if you get into the forums and you say, which one's better... You've just made a mistake. It's a war. You have opened a can of worms because Garby's going to say RPM. I'm going to say Debbie. Ne- Debbie never post um, it on Reddit. You're going to lose just so much. Careful. I feel like it was like Soulboo Soul <laughs> or the Foo said earlier, you, the best thing to do would be to find one that one of your friends has already installed. Install it sure. yourself. That way you have support of somebody who knows what they're doing already. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And if, if you don't new. have someone who uses Linux, um, follow along with our show. It's yeah. a great way because if I'm using Debbie and on my system, then mm-hmm. you can ask me questions about Debian and I can bring it up on the screen exactly. just like that. If you're doing it 
and it's new to you, let me tell you, you have a friend in me. So you can <laughs> write you to go. the show every Something week. in common. So this is Debian 9 uh, Stretch running nice. what's called Cinnamon, which is the default out of the box in my case. Because when I installed this, mm-hmm. it asked me, which desktop environment do I want? Oh, that's nice. I it. said, give me all of them. <laughs> Come on, I want them all. So I can play around, one. and then I can decide which one I like the most. That's it awesome. comes with GNOME 3. It comes with Cinnamon. It comes with Plasma. It's KDE. everything. It, yeah. It's got it's got tons of stuff, even LXDE, which all these things are just to say you can go back and forth between them and see which one you like the most. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what Debian does well is it makes the decision up to you. You want to customize your system. You want to make it yours instead of some other software developers. Mm-hmm. You can really t- uh, toy around with it and try different things. Um, so this is the you know this is the screen that I'm greeted with on first boot, and you'll see that there is a ton of software already installed. And we mentioned you know LibreOffice for example. So if I go to Office, you'll see, well, I've got a document viewer for PDF <laughs> files. I've got so I don't need to install Adobe Reader. Oh, nice. There's that evolution email program that I was talking about that has the calendar and everything else, mm-hmm. uh, Mappy support for Exchange and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then we've got LibreOffice, Base, Calc, Draw, Impress, <laughs> Math Writer, and you'll get used to the names and the differences there pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll find alternatives on Linux that have silly names like Galculator instead of Calculator. That's and it's awesome. like, why do they do that? <laughs> why not? <laughs> but with LibreOffice, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, and you can also just launch LibreOffice by itself and it'll say, hey, what do you want to do? Well, create a document, create a spreadsheet, create a presentation. Does it make a coffee? Draw, draw a drawing. It probably, uh, probably makes coffee. It is. It connects with your Keurig. Sounds like another Raspberry Pi project. There you go. Working on. So, what do we want to do? A calc spreadsheet. So, when I click on that, you'll see. Isn't that familiar? Yeah. Looks very, very much like Microsoft Excel, and we've got the same kind of formula system. We've got uh, the sheets down at the bottom here. We can create new sheets. We can name our sheets, uh, whatever we want to do. And it's it's basically at its heart, it's Microsoft Excel. So then, uh, let's say I've got friends or colleagues in business who are using Microsoft Excel, mm-hmm. and now I have to send them this. I don't want to have to say, yeah. oh, you need to install LibreOffice to open the file. No, mm-hmm. that's no good. So save as, and when I save it, I choose the format, defaults to this, the uh, open document format, uh, like LibreOffice format spreadsheet. But then you can choose from here Microsoft Excel format, XLS. Oh, okay. Remember those? Or there's the newer... XLSX. If can you, you also do a PDF? Uh, you can do PDFs, but it's a little different um, as opposed to saving. So this just to answer that question, but here we're looking at compatibility, being able to open this and edit it on a Windows computer with Microsoft Office. If I'm going to email an attachment, I want to email it. I want to email it as a PDF. Mm-hmm. If you don't want them to be able to edit it, essentially. So like okay. if it's an invoice or something sure. like that. Yeah. Right. So I can just save it as PDF. Done. You can't save it oh. as a PDF. That's a little it's bit like of a different export. thing. Sorry. It's like an export. It's like okay. uh, so. As we're saving, we would select the Microsoft Office format, Microsoft Excel, okay. XLSX. So that's to send it to a colleague who uses the the full. You know, they have money to throw away, so they've bought Microsoft Office. What I would do in the case where I want a PDF, see this giant PDF button? <laughs> oh my! <laughs> no words. Boom. <laughs> and it's just going to save it as that's a PDF. awesome. Okay? Oh, okay. So that's the version that you would use to 
share it as an email attachment or right so if i was sending like intake forms to a patient who wants to fill them out before i would just go in save it as a pdf send it to print and then fill in yeah oh for sure yeah okay absolutely got this and same same goes for uh your word documents not to put too much focus off of the distribution that we're looking at (laughs) debian uh but to to show you that hey you know what it comes with a large suite of software that's going to get you up and going pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up LibreOffice Writer. Again, not to focus on the, the suite of software, but instead just to show you, hey, you know, this is really, really straightforward to it's get started. super mm-hmm. user-friendly. Yeah. I use this and There's like nice it yeah. a lot. Well, it's familiar, right? Like, mm-hmm. it dives into the familiar, but at the same time, it's so useful, mm-hmm. right? We can save as Word document files, docx, there you go, or just the old doc format. So you see what I'm saying is that if we're transitioning from Microsoft Windows, unless there's specific software that's an executable file that you absolutely need to have, yeah. accounting software might be a good example. But a lot of that's moving to the cloud. So you use it through your browser anyway. So there you go. why not install a distribution like uh, Debian that is not susceptible to the same malware? Uh, you don't have to worry about viruses like you do on Windows, that kind of stuff. So let's jump through the, uh, the suite of software here. We've got uh, everything is nicely organized. One of the things I've always admired about Linux, you notice when I go to games, it's mm-hmm. just there are the games. What do we not see? Just Dance 2017. <sighs> well, we don't see that. <laughs> but you know what I don't see in the list is README, uninstall, right. about yeah. the product, and all these subfolders that are nested. And you selling, put, selling, oh, commercial. Just, you install a program on Windows, and you get all of this stuff on your menu. And they've yeah. kind of done away with that by changing things in Windows 10, but it's now become even harder to find the things that you're looking for in a lot of cases. This one, it just is out of the box. There's not a lot of, we'll call it cruft from a programming standpoint. You know, that's the term, where it's just junk that doesn't need to be there. Um, this is all the stuff that is installed. I mean, it even comes with VLC, I just saw. Look VLC Media Player. It's pre-installed. You can Look watch our show in HLS format <laughs> yeah. live. Um, yeah, it comes pre-installed. And That's we've got awesome. all this kind of stuff. So, They really thought of everything, didn't they? Beautiful. This is why it's stable. <laughs> this is why it's stable. Any questions from our chat room at this point before we take a quick break? Uh, nothing at this nothing, point? No, nothing. No, nothing at all. Break time. If you are interested in Linux, you're new to it, you've never seen it, or maybe you have seen it and you're just maybe you know on the fence because it's, uh, you know, like, like we've talked about tonight, mm-hmm. it was here five years ago and now it's a really viable desktop operating system mm-hmm. as a replacement for Microsoft Windows, for example. Uh, you can put this on your existing computer hardware and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that right after the break. We've got to take a quick one and we'll be right back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us tonight as we celebrate the release of Debian Stretch as a stable distribution of Linux. 
And we're doing this from the approach uh, that we're presenting it as a new option for Windows users, Mac users to switch to. And uh, we certainly welcome you to send us questions. If you go to our website, category5.tv, you can click on Contact Us and you'll see ways to reach out to us if you've got any questions about the transition or the software that you can use. Uh, Henry, during the break, you were mentioning what keeps you on Microsoft Windows. On yeah, and systems. it's uh, unfortunately, like right now, it's a must for me, right? Because I have both Adobe products. Woo! I'm a for, fan of Adobe for like, like video editing, oh, okay. uh, for Photoshop, yep. Premiere Pro, like all those guys. Yep. Um, but also as gaming, right? Like you got to have a little bit of fun, right? Like I know that like Linux has Steam and other fun stuff, but mm-hmm. at the moment, there's a lot of games that I play that currently don't have Steam, okay. like the uh, capability, but yep. I'm seeing a lot more that are like tri-compatible. Sure. So like with Mac, Windows, Definitely. and yeah, Linux. Yeah, we're, we're certainly seeing that. And these days, as you say, Steam being a Linux product, mm-hmm. um, Steam OS is in fact Linux. <laughs> so you know they're putting a focus on it <laughs> yeah. for gaming, right? I hope so. so um, <laughs> As far as Photoshop goes, we've looked at it on the show. Check out GIMP 2.9.5. That was the one thing that was holding me on Windows was yeah. Photoshop because we have the such lossiness. a problem. Yeah, the lossiness of scaling the images. Mm-hmm. Everything else in GIMP was great in 2.8, but the, the fact that you lose quality when you rescale, yeah. that's to say this is an alternative version of Photoshop. It's free. Well, here's the thing. This next release really excites me too, though, because with it being more accessible to people and with us talking about it on the show, hopefully more people try it, Mm -hmm. which means that more people are going to be using it, which means that programmers and those developers are going to be like, hey, more people are using it. Maybe we should move our program towards this operating system. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you hope so? So I really hope, like, over the next few years, like, this really kicks into... Now, but there is there is the opportunity to dual boot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So could you now not? We're getting technical. Okay, so not super Virtual technical. Well, this is <laughs> you so can could, you can keep Windows and right, still run Linux. On exactly. The so could yeah. you not do that until you start it to feel comfortable and try try the products offered by Linux, see how that feels, and then maybe uninstall or just never use yeah. Windows if you, you wanted to. You absolutely could, and that's right? that's how I migrated over to Linux right? was dual booting, because I still needed to boot into Windows once in a while, and so that gave me a chance to use Linux for all of my online stuff. Mm-hmm. Keep me safe online, do all of that stuff, and progressively these days everything is online. Yeah. Uh, most of the stuff that I do, so it it just makes sense to use it. And then you can just boot into Windows when you need to. Right. Absolutely true. So what happens? You turn on your computer and it's just that black screen and you just scroll to... You choose which operating system you want. It That's creates a menu horrible. that says Windows, Windows 10 or... Linux, Debian. So that's not um, bad. You mentioned Photoshop, and and I and I mentioned GIMP. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, I mean Debian right out of the box comes with a program called GNU Image Manipulation Program. So Henry, what this is, I know mm-hmm. you know, uh, but for the sake of our viewers, this is a full uh, image editing software. You look at it, and it, it looks fairly similar to Photoshop in its in its uh, the way that it actually operates. I'm going to go into single window mode so that you can see something that's even more Photoshop-esque. Uh, but there you have it. So it's, it's a free alternative to Photoshop that came with Debian 9 right out of the box. And you guys already have a lot of tutorials that Absolutely. can go with this guy, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I really hope to see more, more open source programs like that right now, right? Because like again, like we're seeing it happen. Video production exactly is on the up and up. Exactly, and I'm really excited about that because, like I said, I use like Adobe Premiere Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, I use InDesign. I use like 
pretty much the entire suite, even Dreamweaver and all the other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the cool thing about like this age of technology is that access is becoming so huge right now. Mm-hmm. So we see a lot more open source programs like this. And it's absolutely so, free. I'm excited. Head on over to Debian.org. <laughs> D-E-B-I-A-N. Org. Support the community if you can, and certainly get a download there. Look for Debian Stretch. It's under Stable, and uh, you want to just select AMD64 if you're using a 64-bit system, which most, most of your systems these days are going to support that, so go with that. That's the better of the two. Uh, or there's also I386, which means 32-bit. So if you've got an old system that doesn't support 64-bit, um, then you can go that route as well. You, you can go. install 32-bit on on a 64-bit computer, but you can't do the other way around. Right. Um, so, but I would lean toward the 64-bit if you have support for it. Would there be any benefit to installing the 32 on a, on a 64? On a newer system? No. Okay, no. so just don't do it. 64-bit all the way. Yeah. Days, if you can, absolutely. go high. Yeah. yeah. Higher go, with the, go with the best. <laughs> go with the best. Supports best more around. Other things. Okay. All right. So the, uh, questions, anything at all? Send us an email off our website, category5.tv, and that is Debian from Debian.org. Thanks so much. Okay, Sasha, I know you're eager to jump over into the newsroom. All right. Um, So Sasha's got our news stories. What do you got for us? All right. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category5.tv newsroom. Carrier-locked phones are being outlawed in Canada, and providers must unlock phones for free. Amazon is buying Whole Foods Market. Tim Cook has confirmed Apple is working on a self-driving car system. End-to-end encryption for online services may become law. And we finally have a release date for Star Trek Discovery. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. Yaman. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? You're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? You need hosting. One of the things about a hosting account is you don't want to have limitations put on your website. It's true. How much hard drive space do you have? How many email accounts? How many domains can point to it? Well, we've got an amazing deal for you. For a very limited time, cat5.tv slash dreamhost. For just $5 and a bit of change per month, you are going to get unlimited website hosting, unlimited email accounts on that hosting uh, service. You are also going to receive a free domain name. So your own .com. Nice. To put that amazing website that you've been working on it's on true. there. If you run if you want to build a WordPress site, fine. Sign up. Cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Just don't put Panama papers on it. Just don't do it. But hey, uh, it's a great deal, folks. Best deal you're gonna find. Five dollars and change per month. Go to cat5.tv slash dreamhost. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories for the week of June 21st, 2017. Canada's broadcast regulator has ruled that cell phone networks may no longer charge fees for carrier unlocking handsets, nor sell new phones locked to their network. The Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission, CRTC, said that as of December 1st of this year, phone sellers will be banned from selling handsets locked to a specific carrier, and all carriers will be re- 
required to unlock customer handsets for free. The change is part of a larger overhaul the CRTC has made to Canada's wireless code, a set of consumer rights guidelines that the CRTC manages. In addition to the unlocking rule, the CRTC also mandated that any new charges from overage fees or roaming charges be approved by the primary account holder. This applies mainly to shared family plans where the parent who owns the account will now need to give permission before racking up additional charges. Remember we had an we had a news story where somebody's charges got like Thousands. racked oh, yeah. right yeah. up. Yeah. So this is this is good. I think it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> like especially with the fees. Oh yeah, we go to Jamaica, and I needed like Dave needed a phone unlocked, and it cost I think fifty dollars to do it. Oh wow! Yeah, see the unlocking is... thing that bugs me that they lock phones and you've got to pay to unlock it. Yeah, like my phone was locked to a network, and I paid for the unlock code, and I did it myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we're great. Yeah, so I now use it. You can I, go to Jamaica. I do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. I, I swap sims all the time just because I've got certain sims for certain things and. So some have internet, some are just pay as you go. He's You're an a secret agent, spy. Aren't you? Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Secret. My secret is out. Here's what bugs me: is our Canadian um, regulators don't CRTC. understand. They don't understand how things actually work in reality. Yeah, they don't. Plain and simple. Let's say you're paying mm-hmm. an astronomical fee for LTE internet, and you're downloading a six gig file. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're downloading the 4.4 gig Debian ISO or image. Okay. And then all of a sudden you approach your cap. Right. The, the presumed cap, mm-hmm. like just the point where they need to ask you, are you sure you want to continue downloading? Yeah. Yeah. So now I get four gigs of my 4.4 gig download into my download on LTE mm-hmm. and then they cut off the download. Can you resume everything it? Stops. Or does it? Everything stops. Oh, I lose the download. And then I bring up my browser, and it's a presentation from the regulator saying, you've reached your cap. Would you like to authorize more use? So yes. I'm, I'm sure there's settings you can But it just continues there along. Are not. This is a regulation Does that the government puts in and says the, the phone companies are not allowed to disable that. So then when you say yes, does the download just continue? No. No, you have to you start, start again. Over. Unless you're using a download accelerator or something like that, which would be brilliant, but who does on their phone? So then your six gig download, which you got four gigs into, you have to start over. You, you have, have to start, start over. over. So it's no, now a ten gig now download. And that. the thing is, in Canada, okay. we don't yeah, really have any like you know cellular providers that have unlimited data yet. No. Right. Um, so like I know in the states and in Europe they have like other companies that you can say, hey, I want to pay for unlimited data. Sure. We don't have that in Canada, unfortunately. Yeah. We only have like two or three major companies. You can understand their reasoning from a, from a paper standpoint. Like, hey, yeah. this looks good on paper. Let's make sure that if someone's going to go over five gigs that we let them know and require them to authorize continued use. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. In reality, though, it right. costs me money. It costs me uh. pointless money. And drives me nuts. I don't share mine with anybody. Dave and I even have separate data plans altogether. We have no sharing. Stop messing with my internet, CRTC. Sorry. (laughs) Online retail giant Amazon is buying Whole Foods in a 
$13.7 billion deal that marks its biggest push into traditional retailing yet. Amazon, which has long eyed the grocery business, will buy the upmarket upmarket supermarket for $42 a share. Investors greeted the deal as game-changing for the industry, sending shares of rival groceries, grocers plunging. But Whole Foods, which has been under pressure, has climbed. Founded in 1978 in Texas, Whole Foods was a pioneer of the move forward towards natural and organic foods. It has grown to more than 460 stores in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. and employs about 87,000 people. The takeover deal, the biggest in Amazon's history, is expected to be completed in the second half of the year, pending approval by shareholders and antitrust regulators. The takeover also makes Amazon an instant player in the grocery industry, where it has operated at the fringes since launching its food business service, Amazon Fresh, in Seattle in 2007. Apple's chief executive has confirmed it is developing a self-driving car system but tim cook indicated that it is too soon to say whether it would license the tech to other car makers or try to build its own vehicles his interview with the bloomberg news agency yielded his most detailed comments about the project to date until now apple has avoided publicly discussing its plans although it has confirmed the scheme in u.s filings Mr. Cook told Bloomberg, we're focusing on autonomous systems and clearly one purpose of autonomous systems is self-driving cars. There are others. And we sort of see it as the mother of all AI, artificial intelligence projects. It's probably one of the most difficult AI projects to work on. He goes on to say, we'll see where it takes us. We're not saying from a product point of view where it will take us, but we are being straightforward that it's a core technology that we view as very important. He added that the rise of AI, electric vehicles, and ride-sharing presented an opportunity. The publication of the interview coincides with an announcement by General Motors that it has completed production of 130 self-driving Chevrolet Bolt cars at a factory in Michigan. Meanwhile, Audi has began testing has begun testing a July reveal of a new car, the A8, that will introduce semi-automatic features of its own. So I feel like there are some problems in self-driving cars of late. So this should be an interesting situation for Apple to get into. They're pretty non-committed. Eh? They're super, super non-committed well, we'll in that. We'll see how this goes. It's kind we of like a, have... We'll see how MP3 players and smartphones go. <laughs> okay, go. <laughs> Full tilt. No, yeah. Everybody else, yeah. check it out. Okay, now go. Well, as a, like, a kind of Apple fanboy, I guess, I, I was raised on Macs, I know. Um, but like, I'm happy to kind of see a move that they're thinking in the general direction because sure. I think there's been a lack of like new things from Apple recently, unfortunately. A lack of innovation from Apple? Wow. I know that's coming from a fanboy too. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm, I'm happy to see them branching out. Um, and just to relate to like that Amazon story as well, you know what's coming now, right? Hmm. Whole Foods Prime. Nice. Just wait for it. Wait Whole for Foods it. Prime <gasps> Rib. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> a European Parliament committee is proposing that end-to-end encryption be enforced on all forms of digital communications to protect citizens. 
The draft legislation seeks to protect sensitive personal data from hacking and government surveillance. EU citizens are entitled to personal privacy, and this extends to online communications, the proposal argues. A ban on backdoors into encrypted messaging apps like WhatsApp and Telegram is also being considered. Encryption involves digitally scrambling a communication to protect its contents and then using a digital key to reassemble the data. End-to-end encryption means that the company providing the service does not have access to the key, meaning it cannot listen in to what is being shared, giving the sender and recipient added confidence in the privacy of their conversation. The proposal seeks to amend Article 7 of the EU's Chapter of Fundamental Rights to add online privacy. It will require approval by by committee's members, the wider European Parliament, and the Council of Ministers before it can be passed into law. That is actually good news that there. I think privacy in WhatsApp and such. Well, if they're forcing encryption, end to end encryption in Europe, then we start to see that impact here. us here in Canada. Yeah. Right. And well, it's global, right? Well, it, it becomes, yeah, the internet is global and, mm-hmm. and we're all, you know, a lot of English speaking folks. And, mm-hmm. you know, so what mm-hmm. happens is, is that we, in order to uh, appease those regulations so that mm-hmm. European site visitors can visit our websites yeah mm-hmm. we have to comply to these well regulations it's just, as well it's like the regulations in the eu right now like you know that like we use cookies on our site it's one of their regulatory things you so it's like that when you go to category 5 yeah. tv which is based out of canada hosted in the united states in mm-hmm. part and we have cdns all over the world yeah we on our website have that you know cookie statement because yeah. that's a regulation in the uk exactly so there you go. Maybe people didn't know that. I didn't What's know that. What's that doing there? No, I know just always else. say okay because I don't know what cookies are, but they're called they're cookies. They're delicious. So I know. I'm good. like, okay, I guess if everybody's doing this cookie thing, I'll, I'm okay with it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. The latest chapter in the Star Trek saga has finally had its premiere date with the 15 episode season set to be released in two chapters star trek discovery will launch on sunday september 24th with a broadcast premiere on the cbs in the u.s and space channel in canada the series premiere will also be available on demand on cbs all access and the second episode of the series will be available on the service that same night immediately following the broadcast premiere Star Trek Discovery will also stream exclusively in Canada on Crave TV with full scheduling details to be released in the coming weeks. Not in, the can- not in Canada or the U.S.? Don't worry. Netflix will launch Star Trek Discovery on Monday, September 25th. The first eight episodes will air from September through November with the second chapter being released in January 2018. And the crowd goes yes. wild. Finally, Aww. we've got a date. Yes. Our first Star Trek in a long time, all I can it's say a date. is. <laughs> yeah. Booked. We have to have like a viewing party or we something. We can do that. Just live stream. Yeah. <laughs> Watch with the audience. There we go. <laughs> nice. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom. 
I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. It's so nice to have you here. I appreciate everyone who has been sending in their comments. If you're on YouTube and commenting below or whether you're going to our website, Category5.tv, and submitting an email that way or commenting on our videos, uh, we do our best to keep eye on those. And uh, a couple have come in. Maybe we could tackle just a few of those. I know we're running short on time. We don't want to keep you. Oh, <laughs> There's no problem with that. All right. All right. So I have one? one from Andy. Oh, Andy. Yes. Hi, Andy. Hi. Andy says, firstly, thanks for answering my question about getting across the Great Firewall of China a couple of weeks back. All I did was teach you how to create an SSH socks tunnel. <laughs> how you use this knowledge, Andy, is up to you. And the info, the info you gave me about setting up a proxy really helped. I already have an old thin client working 24-7 as a VoIP server here, so I'm hoping my friend will be able to SSH in through that while she's away. Brilliant. Changing the subject entirely, I'm forwarding the attached email I, alleg I allegedly received from Amazon Europe this morning. It appears to be a very clever phishing scam to mm. obtain login details. Mm. I almost fell for it, but my seller account on Amazon is dormant, so I knew pretty much for sure that I didn't owe them anything. Sweet. I thought you might want to give it a mention on the show so others can be aware of this very convincing scam. The email looks like it's from Amazon and warns that his credit card has been charged, offering him a chance to review the transaction by clicking a link and logging into his Amazon account. Ooh. Sneaky. That is pretty common. We see things like PayPal versions of that. Oh, I, I get a lot banking. of those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they, they trick you into thinking, hey, click here. to. They, they, there's the bait and then there's the click. Mm -hmm. So the bait is we've charged you or we're about to charge you, or there's been a donation of $10,000. Right. <laughs> Usually it's not that significant. I'll get them and, and it'll say there's, there's a donation of $100. Mm -hmm. Because that's feasible to me. Yeah, I, I'll fall for that. Click here to log into your PayPal account to it's review like, the transaction. Yeah. Very typical. Andy, well spotted and uh, way to keep yourself safe. And thanks for mentioning it so that our viewers can do the same. Mm -hmm. Henry, uh, one came in from PJ. I'm excited. I think my name's in this one, too. Oh, yeah. So. Is this for you? Thank you so much, PJ. You, you honor me. You can't even get through the first part. I'm so <laughs> choked up over this. Okay, so this one comes to us from PJ. Hey, PJ. Um, although <clears throat> news of a two terabyte drive is a breakthrough, which it really was, you know, it broke through the That's wall. Awesome. and Oh, man. It was amazing. So heavy. The biggest. Um, I, I get worried over the latency if that's the right word to use. So what are the minimum and maximum read-write operations of the drive and also the likelihood of the USB connection breaking during the transfer? Um, I think we touched on that as well. It was USB 3.0, right? 3.1, in fact. Oh, 3.1, so the new new. <clears throat> yeah, but um, I think what it boils down to is anything can fail. Mm -hmm. oh, any, yeah. any hard drive Knock can fail. Wood. So um, there was a time when SSD hard drives SSD drives yep. were, you know, we had the same stipulations because they didn't have the life of a hard drive. Mm -hmm. But we got past that. And flash drives are pretty much, you know, they're getting there oh, as yeah. well. And Kingston, with this two terabyte drive, like this is not your average USB flash drive. This is a, a solid state. Yeah. Aluminum bodied, like diehard. They went all out for this it's guy. It's really beautiful and, and built to last. And, you know, as far as the specifications go, I mean, you can check, uh, you can go to our website uh, through the link cat5.tv slash big flash, and all those specifications are listed there mm -hmm. and uh, find out kind of, you know, what 
how many writes can you do to it? How many reads? And Watch last week's episode, and there, there you go. go. All set. Okay, so they continue. Sorry, Henry, myself, <coughs> mentioned um, use on a Raspberry Pi, so with a two terabyte. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so the Raspberry, <laughs> the Raspberry Pi does have limitations on uh, SD cards, and I should imagine so on USB as well. That is true. Again, you can look at the uh, limitations on the read-write. The speed. Transfer, yeah. Transfer yeah. rate. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, especially if you want to use it I was curious about as... that. It's funny you would mention that yeah. because I was looking at that today, as a matter of fact, because really? I have a NEMS user, which is Nagios okay. Enterprise Monitoring Server, yeah. and it uh, it's on my blog, baldnerd.com. Check it Check out. It out. <laughs> um, it's a Raspberry Pi distribution. That's awesome. Okay. And with this distribution, I have one particular user who is really seeing it run very, very slow. That's interesting. And Just the one? one user that's having it run slow and so i thought okay it could be the sd card could be the power supply if it's getting low, low yeah. voltage um and uh so i i actually wrote a benchmark tool for mm-hmm. nems and yeah. it's, it's on there now so okay. you can actually read in the in the documentation how to run it so i did this specifically because i wanted to see how fast his card was but then i as i ran that and he was getting two point something megabytes per second right Mm-hmm. Ridiculously slow. Oh yeah. I ran it on my own and I was getting ninety. So something something's going on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Something's up with his card or the reader or the mm-hmm. power or something. But what it made me realize is this is not a traditional um, uh, card reader. Ninety mm-hmm. megabytes per second. That's pretty fast for write. Yeah. <laughs> on an SD card. So yeah, they've they've really stepped up the reader in uh, oh. in the the Pi three. Yeah, and it's it's micro SD as well, right? It is. So it's it's not the full size. It's the itty bitty. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay, sorry, I'm not done yet. We digress. Okay, <laughs> the news story concerning Boeing. Oh, I know something. Um, I <clears throat> I'd have thought the pilot would need uh, less flight hours due to boredom, but if ground control in quotes. Um, could take control over, um, it's just like in Space 1999 and their eagles. I'm guessing that's the one where the moon, like, goes out of orbit. And it's a good show. My nice dad, reference. My, da- my dad loves it. <laughs> um, maybe if a pilot becomes ill or dies mid-flight, knock on wood, um, a normal air hostess or even a passenger could take control of the aircraft um, or over to a qualified pilot on the ground with all instruments and controls in front of them like a simulator, so like a UAV kind of situation, okay. some guy in a trailer somewhere, um, but actually in full control of the aircraft. Seems a lot more viable, excluding signal hacking. Uh, this episode also smacked of a promotion for Kingston. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I wonder why. No, well, it, it, Kingston were the ones who made it, right? So uh, obviously we had to mention them in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, to 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 knock the uh, Boeing stuff really quickly. Yes, the main issue with that right now is hackers, because there's actually a news story a few years ago about somebody hacking the actual aircraft, because everything is fly-by-wire right. nowadays, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. There's a news story that was actually about a hacker who was just flying on a commercial plane. They didn't have any ill attentions, but through the onboard Wi-Fi, because it was one of those sites. I remember that. He, could, he actually went that. in through the flight. Mm-hmm entertainment system yeah and he could actually if he wanted to he could deploy the flaps like the maneuvering stuff that's he could control the engines so with things being networked nowadays and the aircraft are networked to the ground now and gps systems everything else um that's one of the largest issues is security right because any it's these systems are hooked now it's all like battlestar galactica one button you turn off the airplane now right (laughs) so sorry i'm a big sci-fi fan um (laughs) we're almost done guys um, 
But yeah, so Kingston, and I was recently ripped off attempting to buy a Kingston SD card via eBay. Oh no. Mm. Um, it was for a Raspberry Pi, so yeah. So I checked it on Windows 10 and found the card didn't register at all. Oh. Uh, cut long story short, a warning for your viewers, if possible, buy direct. Um, the higher cost much outweighs the hassle for a bad SD card, USB drive, or hard drive. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you should have not already, or get Kingston. Data. Oh, lost data is the worst, especially if it's something such as family photos or sure. work, things like that. You're going to put that in, um, you're put those SD cards in your camera. Exactly, right? And get Kingston if possible. You're saying this, not me, mm. um, uh, as an affiliate link, right? Because we oh, do sure. have those links online. Yeah. So for Amazon, things like that. Yeah, we actually do. Um, you can go to our shop. So on our website category, 5.tv and click on to support us and you'll see mm -hmm. shop with us and and this is our our own store and kingston sd cards are there um so yeah i mean it, the the kingston thing it was a it was a promotion in a way because oh, yeah. you know we we obviously want to show you cool technology but in order to get that technology we have to offset the cost right mm -hmm. um so um so that's that's that as far as kingston goes and and shopping with affiliate links and buying and things. This is kind of why we do what we do. So when, uh, in, and I'm speaking on when we provide, uh, when we look at a product, mm -hmm. when we looked at that drive, what do, I, what do you hear me say? I don't say go to Amazon and do a search for Kingston two terabyte drive. No, okay. I say go to cat5.tv slash big flash. Because we've already verified the seller, we've already verified that this is the right. legitimate product, mm -hmm. and we've made sure, for your sake, that you're getting the proper device. Yeah. I even mentioned last week when we were looking at this product that there are uh, manufacturers that are shady and mm -hmm. that are building fake two terabyte USB right. flash drives. And you see them on the Wish app. They're, yep. they're there, and they're garbage. Mm -hmm. They're 128 gig flash drives that they've hacked into the ROM and re reset it so that it looks like a two terabyte drive when you plug it in. Yeah. But then you get to the 128 gig cap because that's all it actually has capacity mm -hmm. for and you lose all your data. I think the easiest thing to do would be before ordering check reviews because I had an issue ordering a video <coughs> card like a yeah. uh, the GTX 1060. Just as it comes out, I saw this awesome deal online on Amazon. So yeah. I'm like, it's on Amazon. You can't go sure. wrong. Yeah, you can. Yeah, exactly. I learned that time that it turned out to be a fake seller. Just after I clicked the buy link, I checked oh. reviews. Um, don't buy. This guy's a scammer, etc. So Darn. it took me two days to get my money back through mm -hmm. the support system. So I did get my money back, but if you can check reviews. And yeah. And another good example is the SJ Cam, SJ5000X, things like that. Yeah. So when we say go to cat5.tv slash action cam, yeah. same thing. Mm -hmm. We've done it because... SJ Cam, who mm. basically makes a GoPro knockoff in Woo! and of itself, right? So it's it's yep. a cheaper version of uh, an action cam that's 4K. So what has happened? They didn't patent the technology. They didn't do anything that uh, okay. would protect their their development. So a bunch of knockoffs came out of China, yep. and they look exactly the same. They appear the same. They've got similar ROMs. They they look in all essence the same, but they're garbage. Mm -hmm. Soul's not there, man. It's, it's not there. They have bad optics. They take bad pictures, bad video. So you have to go through legitimate links, and it's very hard to do that. But that's why we do the fishing for you, and we find those, and we make them available to you through our shop. Right. So shop with us. Yeah. Go to category5.tv. <laughs> we do our best. We do it. You okay. got any more for me? Or is uh, we, well, I think we we're going to wrap up. Okay. We're going to have to just... 
do the rest next week. We're There's sorry if we couldn't get to your questions, your comments, uh, but we want to be able to commit the time that it takes to answer your questions accurately and adequately. We don't like to rush through things. So as we're out of time for tonight, I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you've enjoyed the show and learned a lot about Linux and uh, Debian Stretch in particular. Do check them out, Debian.org. And thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next Wednesday night. Sounds Thanks, you too. Bye. See ya.